Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I've been on this topic of humility over recent weeks. You know, we're talking about how God's trying to get us to that place of humility. Why? Because he wants to do so much more in his body and through his body. But until we empty ourselves of ourselves, we cannot be full of him. We need to get rid of ourselves so we can shine forth Jesus, just like he's been sharing with us and speaking to us this morning. Thank you, Lord. So I believe this is the direction that he wants us to go. And he's been revealing these things to me and how we need to get back to having the purest form of humility. So I've been looking at what is true biblical humility, right? Because there's a difference. There's a, there's a very strong, prevalent false sense of, hu- of humility in the body of Christ today. And it's not, it's not this true humility. It's not the purest form of humility that the Lord is designed for us to get to, right? And um, if we don't humble ourselves to the point of complete surrender, he can't, he, we're limiting him to what he can do in us and through us. And I, I was thinking about this in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes down from God. And I want to position myself where he can bring forth his will through me. Isn't that God's desire for man, church? His desire for man is that he can, his life is manifested through us. That is his desire. He's written us into the story and there are aspects of his will that he wants to implement, right? Um, so we need to learn to get out of the way more and this will open the door for his power, his life, his glory to shine through us. So, um, you know, we've looked at humility, we've looked at the Lord Jesus and how he is the perfect example, how he, you know, he made himself of no reputation. He came to do what only he could do, to take our place. I mean, he had everything. He stripped himself of everything so he could come and take on, put on flesh and take our place. That, that's humility. That is humility. And then we looked at, you know, how a disciple, we should all be desiring to be disciples, followers of Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We're not called, you know, for casual Christianity. You know, I don't want to be a casual Christian, do you? You know, I want to be a disciple, a true follower of Jesus Christ. And that's going to require a death to self so we can live for him. It's about giving up our lives so we can live for his life, live his life and his life can be manifested through us. So this is what it's all about, right? Humility is not focusing on what you are and it's not focusing on what you're not. People think humility is this low kind of place of I'm not good enough. I can't do this. That's false humility because we're called to be bold. We're called to be people of conviction, of character. We're not going to be able to do what we're called to do if we're not. We're not called to be, you know, looking down at ourselves all the time. We're called to be looking to Jesus. And that's it. Looking to Jesus, right? So humility is not focusing on what you are and it's not focusing on what you're not. It's focusing on who God is, full stop. Humility is eyes to Jesus. That's it. Eyes to Jesus. And my desire is that the Lord can do, do through us everything that he desires without any hindrances from us. That is my, my, my heart, church. And I believe a big hindrance to this is our lack of humility. It breaks my heart to think that I or that the body in general could take any glory away from him. But the, matter of fact, it, the fact of the matter is that it's happening. 
people are placing them, themselves on pedestals. People are placing themselves in that position where, yeah, you know, look to me instead of where we should be looking, okay? Man is not here to be glorified or revered. Never revere man or glorify man. Glorify Jesus every day and only Jesus. So last week I looked at the life of Moses and we looked at the account of the burning bush, remember? When, you know, Moses had grown up in Egypt, he was a prince, God had delivered him from when he was a young infant because he had a plan and a purpose for his life. And, you know, he was raised by, you know, Pharaoh's daughter and he was raised as a prince of Egypt. So he was used to that power and that authority. But Moses one day went to visit his people. He seen his people, how they were being treated, didn't like it. He killed an Egyptian and then he fleed. He fled because why? Because he was afraid of what would happen. And because his fellow brethren, he thought he, they were going to know, oh, this man's going to deliver us. He thought he knew how it was going to happen, but it wasn't going to happen that way. God had a different plan. So Moses fled. He was in the wilderness for 40 years, serving as a shepherd under his father-in-law, Jethro. And God met him one day at the, at the burning bush. And he spoke some things to him. We broke this down last week. This account is what the word of God has given us this account, I believe, because it is showing us where God was trying to get Moses to. Right, people look at these verses and they say, Lord, do not send me, send somebody else. But Lord, I'm not an eloquent speaker. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I'm, I'm not the right person. And people think that's humility, it's not church. Insecurity is not humility. Indecisiveness is not humility. Stagnancy is not humility. None of those things, are, they're all false senses of, of humility. And, and I brought that out in the word last week. That's where we left off. We're not called to be insecure. We're not called to be undecided. We're not called to be stagnant or, you know, doing nothing. And, and even though Moses wasn't doing nothing, he was serving as, as a shepherd, you know. And, but, you know, he wasn't where God needed him to be. He, God needed to get him to the place where he could fulfill the call that was on his life, right? So I believe that Moses learned some things through all of that time. But it was time for God to get him to Egypt. So he was chosen by God for such an important role, but he wasn't. The first thing I want to look at here quickly this morning is why Moses was humble. Now, Moses, you know, he's all throughout the word of God. He's such a, you know, prominent figure in the word. You know, you could do an extensive study on his life. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. He, you know, he, he issued the law and, you know, God gave, spoke to his heart, the commandments, and he was the one that brought all of these things through. He was a type and shadow of Jesus. He was, you know, he led the people out of Egypt and all of these things. So, I mean, you could study so many things out, but the, what the Lord has shown me, I remember we were in Numbers 12, 3, it says, and this man Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And I read that verse and I was like, well, Lord, if Moses was considered the most humble man on the face of the earth, why? Why was that? And that led me to study out some things on the life of Moses and to find out, well, what did make him humble? The Lord took me to, the, to this, what we talked about last week. And he said, this is why people think Moses is humble, but it's not. This is not what made him humble. This is things I needed him to get rid of. I'm sure when Moses looked back at this account all those years later, after he traveled through the wilderness for 40 years and got intimate with the Lord and all of those things, he probably looked at that day when he met the Lord at the bush and said, oh my Lord, I argued with you. 
That's what he was doing. He was just arguing with the Lord. Every time the Lord said something, he'd say, no, but, no, but, or no, but, or no, I can't do it, or I can't do it, instead of that obedience and that willingness. So that's not what made Moses humble. So the first thing I want to look at, that why Moses was humble, church, and what you know, made him, what, what validates that statement in the word of God that says he was the most humble man in the face of the earth was he wasn't hungry for status or position or power. Do you remember I said a couple of weeks ago, and over the new year, the, the, this is the word the Lord had given me for the church for, for entering into this year was humility. You know, we want to talk about growth. We want to talk about growth. We want to talk about growth and this and growth and that. We need to talk about humility if you want to get there. Because in order to grow, you have to become humble. So the Lord was showing me these things in the new year. And, he's, and, I, and he, you know, what's greatness in the kingdom? It's not status. It's not a position. You know, let me tell you. <laughs> When you get into things, you'll realize how much you don't want these things because of the responsibility that comes with it, because of the accountability that's placed upon you. You know, the Lord's grace is there. He's always, it's him that enables us to do everything. But listen, in ourselves, and you often hear me joke about this, it's not something you'd pick a career day at church. You know, it's, and you know, I'm so thankful for the call and the destiny and the, what God's placed on each individual, but it's, it comes with a weight and a responsibility. And if a person is hungry for those things, it's an immediate red flag for me. You know, there's a difference between a desire, following the desire that God's put in your heart, and of course we should be desired, but if you're hungry for the position, so you're seen by people, so that you have things available to you, so that you have this influence and all of these other things, you better mind that you're using it to, for God's glory because he'll deal with you if we're not. He'll deal with us all if we're not, right? So Moses was not hungry for these things. When God met Moses that day, he didn't even want to go to Egypt. He says, I'm fine here the way I am. I don't want to go to Egypt. You know, he had, he had after, he's after spending 40 years away from Egypt. Like I said, he was used to these things. He was used to the palace living, palace lifestyle. But he, he, he forsook all those things. And he said, no, I don't want, and he, those things didn't motivate him. So God had to work in him. God had to deal with him to get him to a place to go back to Egypt and do what he was calling him to do. So Moses wasn't, this is one of the true reasons why Moses was humble, right? He was happy being a nobody in the desert, right? He grew up around these things, but it didn't motivate him. And a humble heart, church, this is important, is one who desires to serve more than anything else. Humility, you need to learn to serve, no matter what that looks like. You see, sometimes we have this picture of, oh, I'll serve in that place, in this place, and the other place, because we're all serving, essentially, no matter what we're doing. But we don't want to serve in particular places. We don't want to clean the toilet. We don't want to, you know, put out the bins and, like... You don't want to do these things. You don't want to serve. You don't want to, you know, deal with kids or, you know, pour the tea or stand at the door and say hello and anything. And this is just stuff that we're talking about in the body of Christ in church. People don't want to do these things. They want, you know, they want to be people that's hungry for these things. They want the position and it's not, it's not healthy. It's not from God, right? So God has to teach us humility. He has to teach us servanthood before we can ever take on positions. And Moses was the leader of his people, but he was also the greatest servant to his people. That's why he was there. You know, he, he, they gave him every reason to give up on them, let me tell you. They complained and they murmured and they griped for 40 years. 
Moses was, you know, he performed, but with the help of God, with the grace of God, all these signs and wonders. And then the parting of the Red Sea and all of these things and, you know, water from a rock and, you know, manna from heaven and, you know, meat and all of these things supernaturally given and miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And they were so, they so quickly forgot. And then they blamed Moses. So not only were the gripers and complainers, but they were blaming Moses because they said, you took us out of here to die. You, you delivered us out of Egypt so we could die here in the wilderness. I mean, Moses must have had a lot of patience, church, let me tell you. So he was faithful to them. They blamed him countless times. He was, he was there. He interceded for them. This is how we start to see how, you know, he's a type of Jesus. He was interceding for them continually, even when they were in complete rebellion towards God. He had to come before the face of God a number of times and say, Lord, please forgive these these stiff-necked people. And he interceded on their behalf. He was a true servant, and that's what made him a great leader. In Numbers 11, it talks about, um, you know, I won't go to this just for time's sake, but in Numbers 11, it talks about um, how he appointed the 70 elders. Moses couldn't do it on his own. They were complaining that much. The burden was too heavy. God said to him, pick 70 men from the children of Israel, 70 elders, and place them around the tabernacle, and I will cause my spirit to come upon them like it is upon you, and they will prophesy, and they will take the load from you. Now, what was the first thing? What Moses, what the first thing that Moses could have done there was, I'm not, no, Lord, I'm fine. I'm doing, I'm, I'm okay, Lord. But see, he wasn't hungry for these. He wasn't jealous. He wasn't protective of this position. What was Moses' goal and priority? The mission that had to be completed and the people. Because that's what a leader is about, church. It's about the people. It's about the mission that has to be completed. And Moses was more interested in those things. He wasn't focused on the glory. He was focused on the needs of the people and the mission they needed to complete. And from verse 26 to 30, we can see that after uh, uh, these things happened in Numbers 11, uh, after they started to prophesy, the words, the, the Bible says, and they never did again, but it says two people remained in the camp and continued to prophesy. And Joshua seen it and he went to Moses and then forbid them from doing these things. Forbid them. They're not, they shouldn't be doing these things. And what was Moses' response? He said, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were, would be prophets and that all, that, that the Lord would put his spirit upon all of them. That was his desire. He wasn't trying to keep these things for himself. And that's, what, that's what, why Moses was so humble. A true leader with a humble heart will desire growth. A true leader with a humble heart will desire growth in the people that he's leading more than the recognition of his efforts. Okay? A true leader. That's what he'll do. He'll be more interested in that than getting recognition for his efforts. See, Moses was recognized. I'm this person. I'm the person that leads these people out of it. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't interested in that. He was interested in the growth of the people. Right, so greatness is a posture of humility and godly surrender, church. Let me go quickly here with me to Mark chapter 10 and verse 42. Jesus called him to himself and said, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's why Jesus came. 
He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. That's humility. In order to grow in, in humility, church, in the body of Christ this year and beyond, we need to learn to serve one another. We need to get back to the servant's heart. If we're all serving one another, there will be nobody in need. Right? If we're all serving one another, doing what we should be doing, there'll be nobody in need because somebody's always getting looked after. You're not trying to keep things for yourself. Right? When you're serving, somebody's serving you. So what you're pouring out, it's going back in. That's the, that's the body. So Moses used his position to serve and not for self-gain. And he may have been insecure about many things at the time of the burning bush. He might have been insecure about, oh God, I can't do this. God, I can't speak. I, I can't. But when he was leading those people in the 40 years in the wilderness to get to the promised land, Moses had his eyes on Jesus. And he wasn't insecure about it. He wasn't insecure in himself. He was humble and he was surrendered unto God. And God was dealing with, dealing with him over these things. He was obedient and he was a faithful servant. And I want to show you something here really quickly in Numbers 27, just to show you as well how, how Moses' heart was for the mission. It was for the people. Is your heart for the mission? Let me tell you, what's more important to you? The mission being completed or the mission being completed through you? Because if it's more important for you to have a say, if it's more important for you to be in the center of it or, and, and anything like that, you know, we need to humble ourselves, church. The mission, the mission is what's important. And yes, God uses us. It's his desire. He uses the body. He uses his people. And we should be desiring these things. But we need, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's where's your eyes. That's what it's all about. Where is your, what is your perspective? What are you looking for? Are you looking for the recognition of the completion of the mission? Are you looking for the recognition of your efforts? Or are you looking for growth in the body? Are you looking for what you can do for one another? In Numbers 27 from verse 15, Moses speaks to the Lord, saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. So what was happening here was, this was right after God told Moses, you're not going to be leading them into the promised land. You're going to be taking them to the edge. And then, you know, because of your disobedience, because God told him to speak to the rock and he didn't, he struck it. Right? He disobeyed the word of God and he said, you're not going to enter into the promised land. Church, let me tell you, there's consequences of disobedience. There's consequences to a disobedience. And sometimes we have to, you know, walk these things out. Right? We need to obey the voice of the Lord. So this is right after that. What was Moses' first response? He didn't claim we just read it here. He didn't say, Lord, but no, hold on a second. I have a right. I'm the person who's after been leading these people the last 40 years. I'm the person who had, you know, day and night, them, you know, complaining in my ear, griping, murmuring. I'm the person who went before you. I'm the person who interceded on their behalf. Lord, it was, I'm the person who led these people. I had to put up with all of this. And he didn't argue his case. Why? Because he was focused on the mission and he was focused on the people. So his first thing was, well, Lord, if I'm not doing it, who is? Please, Lord, send somebody because somebody needs to lead these people. So if it's not going to be me, Lord, I pray that you're going to send somebody else. And then God responded and says, I'm going to raise up Joshua. You're going to bring him to the priest. He's going to anoint him. And he's going to lead his people. He's going to lead my people into the promised land. Right? 
In humility, Moses responded as a true servant. If we're going to grow in humility, church, we need to be servants. And he asked the Lord for somebody to lead these people. When we only care about what the Lord cares about, we will only care about it getting done. When we only care about what the Lord cares about, we'll only care about it getting done, whether that's through us or not. Okay, Lord, your will be done, not mine. I want your will to be done. I want this person, Lord, to encounter you. And maybe it's somebody that you've invested so much time into. Maybe it's somebody that you've invested so much energy and so much of what's on the inside of you into. But maybe it's, it's a time where God is bringing them somewhere and he's saying, you need to step off now. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's whatever. God, you've poured so much into. And you're like, you think, we think we have a right to see it to the end. We think we have a right more than God to say, no, this is what's going to happen. Church, that's a lack of humility that we need to mind. We need to be more focused on the mission getting completed, more focused on, Lord, your will be done than whether, whether, that's, whether you use me or not. Lord, if you use me, praise the Lord. I'm going to be obedient and I'm thankful and I will do everything that you ask me to do. But if you ask somebody else next to me, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for them that they're going to be successful in doing what you're asking them to do. The picture of Moses' humility when he was raising up Joshua. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 31, I love this. It's verse 7 to 8. He says, Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, in front of everybody, all the congregation, he said, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. I'm after spending 40 years of my life taking these gripers and complainers to this point, but you're going to be the one to cause them to inherit it. That's humility. We think we have a right to things, church. Listen, when God is telling us to do something, then we'll do it. But if God's saying, no, somebody else is going to do it, then we need to obey. Amen? And get in line with the Lord. You're going to cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. So he's given his successor, Joshua, wisdom. He's saying to him, be strong. You're going to need it. You're going to need strength. You're going to need courage. He's given him wisdom in the sight of all Israel. Notice how he gave all the glory back to God. This is something the Lord showed me. He gave, this is humility. Moses took all the glory back to God. This moment was a great, could have been a great moment for Moses. You know, he was handing this over after all of his faithfulness. And I believe, you know, you know he was recognized for these things. But, you know, this could have been a moment of self-glory, self exalting oneself. Moses said, I've taken them this past 40 years to this point. It's all about me. No, he didn't. He says, straight away, he was giving glory to God. He said, the Lord he is the one who goes before you. I may have been went before you up until this point, but I was going before you in the strength of the Lord. I was going before you with his grace, with his power, with his ability. It's him that goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. He was pointing everyone back to Jesus, back to the Lord, back to, back to God. He was pointing everybody to where they should be looking. 
Moses was humble because he was a servant above anything else. In the body of Christ, we need to learn this church. I didn't come to be served, but to serve, was what Jesus said. And if he was the greatest servant, we ought to learn to serve. And another thing here that Moses, I believe why Moses was called this, the most humble person to have ever lived, was because he lived with an unshakable conviction in, in what God said. When God spoke to him, he obeyed. He wouldn't have got to where he did with these people if he didn't. This is another aspect of true humility that Moses displayed. He accepted God's word and he obeyed it. Did Moses always get it right? No, because we can see that. He disobeyed God and there was a consequence. But his heart posture was towards obeying God. Why? Because he was intimate with him. Throughout all those years of leading these people, he was forever before the face of the Lord. Went up onto the mountain, came down. He was used to being in the glory of God. He was intimate with the Lord and this led him to obeying God, having his heart set towards obeying God and this produced many wonderful things through his life, signs and wonders. Remember the Red Sea? Very popular story here, the parting of the Red Sea. And as I read this the other day, you know, this required such obedience. Now, can you imagine this moment? You're responsible for all of these people and he comes up to this obstacle that's standing in his way. You know, church, what the Lord showed me was it didn't necessarily happen like we perceive from the Sunday school stories. If you read this, this account properly, the, seas, the sea didn't just completely part from start to finish and they could see the end. The Bible says that he told Moses to do something, a simple instruction, and this is where the obedience needs to come in. He said, raise your rod and lift your hand up over the sea. And there, was, there might have been no sign of it whatsoever before this, and Moses had to obey. Right? So he lifted up his rod, he put his, stretched forth his hand, and it says that the Lord caused an east wind to push back the sea. And it, it was been pushed back all through the night as they traveled. So as they, every step that they took, it required faith. Every step that they took, Every step Moses took, he was coming and he was coming and he was coming and he says, Lord, there's two million, millions of people behind me. I'm believing you, Lord. I'm believing you, Lord. I'm believing you, Lord. And there's a, a wall of sea in front of him. But the Lord continued to blow that east wind. And then he gave Moses an instruction on the other side, stretch forth your hand and I'll cause it to come back on top of Pharaoh and his army. And we know how obedience, obedience, Isaiah 66, 1 and 2 says, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. This is who God's looking upon, so we need to pay attention here, church. On him who is humble, or in some translations it says poor, it's not talking about poverty here it's talking about humility on those who is poor and of a contrite or repentant spirit and who trembles at my word that's that unshakable conviction that unquestioning obedience to the word of God that's true humility that's who God's looking upon you will find that this pure biblical humility goes hand in hand with this obedience to the word of God
This is who the Lord is looking for. Those who are humble, repentant, and completely surrendered to his word. Jesus said in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Church, unless we recognized our impoverished state, we could never come to inherit the kingdom. You have to recognize your need. And then his grace is there. And it also is the same when you're continuing to walk with him. You have to recognize your need and then his grace will be sufficient every single day. Every single day. It requires a sense of humility to come to the Lord and it requires humility to continue to walk with him because walking with the Lord requires an obedience to his word and his will. And the Lord impressed upon Moses the importance of obeying his voice. And in turn, you'll notice that read through the scriptures, God said, obey my voice. He, listen, even the whole, the, the entire law that he issued, it was all about obedience. And then he gave, you know, remember that in Deuteronomy 28, I think it is, you know, um, this is what's going to happen. Blessings on obedience, curses on disobedience. And everything he spoke to Moses was about obeying my voice. And then in turn, Moses spoke to the people, obey the voice of God. He taught, this is what Moses taught above anything else, obedience. And this level of obedience requires a deep posture of humility. Church, what made up for Moses' weaknesses? Because he listed them at the burning bush. We seen them last week. What made up for Moses' weaknesses? It was God's power and it was his ability through him that made the way. But let me tell you this, in order for that power and ability to come to the forefront and to be manifested, Moses first had to obey. He first had to say, right, Lord, I'll go. And then he had to continue to obey every step of the way. That's your, you say, I need more God's power. I need more of his ability. I need more of his grace working in, in and through my life. Let me tell you, our disobedience will negate the grace of God. Because we need to be in a place of we're listening to him. We're listening to him. We're doing what he's asking us to do and that's when his grace is there. That's when his grace is there. In humility, his humility and surrender to the Lord is what carried him through 40 years of leading the people through the wilderness. I'm desiring for the entire body to be so full of God's power and ability. Are you desiring that? I'm desiring for his body to be so full of Jesus so full of him. But we're going to need to be full of obedience to his word and less interested in forms of power, position, self-gain or self-exaltation. So let's continue to desire to grow in humility every single day so we can begin to display the glory of God in everything we do. Let's desire to grow in humility. Keep that in the top of your list this year, church. As you're praying for growth, say, Lord, make me more humble. Help me, Lord, to humble myself. Humble myself, Lord. Show me where can I humble myself so you can exalt me. Remember, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. We humble ourselves. It's our responsibility. We humble ourselves and God exalts. God does not put things upon you to humble you. That's not what the word teaches. We humble ourselves and he exalts us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. He doesn't use evil. He doesn't use bad. He doesn't use anything that's not of him to teach us a lesson. Oh, they need a humbling. I'm going to put this upon them. That's not what the word teaches. It's not true. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. And if we walk in his ability, walk in his grace every single day, church, I'm telling you, we're going to get to where we need to be. 
Amen. But humility is so important, and I believe the Lord's really trying to get that through to us before he can do what he desires to do. Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this time together, Lord, for the wonderful things that you've been revealing to us and showing us, Lord. You're so good to us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We thank you that it's, we're going to take from it, Lord, and grow from it. It's not going to, Lord, hinder. We're not going to hinder it, Lord. We're not going to, Lord, get in the way of what you desire to do in us. We're going to take the word that we've heard, we're going to put it in our hearts, and it's going to produce much fruit. We thank you, Lord, as we exit out of here, Lord, that your, your hand is upon us, Lord. You've, you're protecting us. No evil shall befall us. No plague shall come near our dwelling place. Thank you for the healing and the health of our bodies. Jesus, you are our healer. We thank you, Lord, for opportunities this week, Lord, to show forth your glory, to be ambassadors for you, to share the gospel, to walk in love to be imitators of Christ, to walk in Christ-like behavior, to have conduct that is worthy and, Lord, (laughs) pleasing unto you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. You're so good to us. I thank you for this body, for each and every person, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in and through us. You're always working. Help us to be spiritually minded in everything that we do. And I thank you, Lord, and I declare that here at Island Church Dundalk, we're covered by your blood, we're empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the center of the town, and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie.